Hi, and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. I'm delighted to welcome this week Coral Short, who's an artist and somatic practitioner. And I'm hoping that they're going to explain to us what that is, because I have absolutely no idea. Welcome along, Coral. Hi, nice to be here, Emma, and nice to be here with you all. Yeah, somatics practitioner is someone like who's like like a therapist, but instead of talking about all your problems, like you you know the problems do arise, but we look at like you know where emotions lie in the body, where the sensations are around the anger or the sadness or the trauma that you may be holding. We don't dive deep into the trauma. We look at like you know before and after and like build capacity to be with hard things and also build capacity to be with joy um, because humans um, have a hard time also being with joy as well as uh, the hard things. So we're just like building like the muscle inside, almost like the soul muscle, like we're deactivating, activating, pendulating, titrating. I don't know if you know any of these words. <laughs> well, my, my dad was a chemistry teacher, so I recognize a few of them. <laughs> But like the nervous system is just like settling and the body's telling the story and the body's doing the work. And instead of talking in the mind, the whole body is, is, is working, you know, softly and gently. And over time, things are released and life becomes bigger. So. And have you, so I'm interested then, have you noticed a real change in people, in the people that you're working with over the pandemic? Um, yeah, well, I've trained to become a somatics practitioner during the pandemic, which was a really good use of my time. I studied to be a meditation teacher, as well as a somatics practitioner during COVID times. But with the I work mostly with trans and non binary people. Um, and I have noticed huge changes in them, like in their capacity to be with the life that they want to be with. Mm. Because Sometimes we're trapped into a life we don't really want to be in, you know, due to capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy, whatever. And we're just trapped into these small lives. And then like just being able to be with what you actually want to do, what makes you alive is just so radical in our in our social structures. So I love to see people just bloom and start to do the things that they, you know, want to do and let go of the stuff that they've been lugging around for eons you know mm, in a, a world that that is perhaps quite hostile in some places to towards especially trans people trans people like like accessing joy for trans and non-binary people is just such a beautiful thing because i think like queer joy is something that happens and just celebrating that also celebrating no's because in society, like women, like women or trans non-binary people, like have a hard time saying no sometimes. And celebrating no has been really exciting. Like I think you know I'm here to talk about my menopause party and just like saying no, like this is not shameful. Menopause, yeah. is not no to the stigma. Yeah, no like, to the taboo. Like, like celebrate <laughs> this and like feel the joy and like speaking of the menopause party, like I didn't see one menopause party anywhere like maybe there has been them but i looked at the hashtag on instagram which is a young social media thing i'm 49 i didn't see one i was the first person to have a menopause party on that platform i hope there will be many more to come a lot of people have told me 
that they want to do that. Yeah. You know? Well, I love the idea. That's why when I saw yeah. your your post about it on the Facebook group that I was like, yes, we need to talk about this. This is great because I've talked to I've talked to my husband about it. So I'm also I'm turning I'm 49, turning 50 at the end of this year in December. I'm sort of ambivalent about having a 50th birthday party, but definitely in the kind of the last sort of year or so where I've been looking at this subject so much, I'm like, yeah, menopause party. Let's, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get out there and, and be like, yes, I've survived going through this yeah. thing. I'm still here. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. So tell, tell, tell us a bit more about um, the kind of, how was, how, first of all, how, how was your sort of experience leading up to menopause, of the perimenopause, as much as you're kind of happy to share? Was it, did it kind of hit you out of the blue? Or mine, was it- mine wasn't so bad. I, like, luckily, genetically, like, I'm blessed. I was blessed with an easy menopause and my sleep got shorter. Um, maybe my partner would say I was a little moodier, but I, I felt pretty the same. Um, I didn't, maybe I got minor hot flashes, but they were not very much, you know? Uh, yeah, no, my menopause was really low, but I just, I, when my partner works in anti-ageism and is really like into times in the life, you know, mm-hmm. like they got me a Chiron return reading lately. I don't know if you know about the Chiron return, but in astrology, it's around this time in our life that the planet, it's not a planet, it's an asteroid Chiron hmm. going around and it comes to the place you were born. Uh, and so they got me a reading called, the, uh, it, like Chiron is the wounded healer. So from this woman, Liz Gunn, and I think she's in South Carolina. Anyways, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's a time in the life, like in planets, but also like for menopause. And um, they really wanted me to mark this time because they said it was important because they work in the anti-ageism field with, Ashton Applewhite in uh, mm-hmm. oldschool.info, I think their website is called. But they they kind of brought it to my attention that, you know, I should mark the date because I wasn't, I was missing a lot of periods. And so then when the year, the year, I was coming up to a year and I was just praying I didn't get my period, you know, like. It's so know, annoying of you to like yeah, start counting like, over you again. Really, right? You don't want that mess anymore. You get used to like, I mean, and I, I don't mean to be like, like you know period can be great and bring children and all this but like it is a bit messy and the pms slows you down so inconvenient um, yeah it's inconvenient so then when the year happened i realized the year was going to happen i thought why not like i'm a performance artist you can see my art at coralsword.com and like i had a friend in berlin who wore red every time they had their period like their whole period they had all these red outfits and i was like It's fascinating. And I always knew when they had their period because they were wearing red. And I thought to myself, like, why? Why don't I have a party where everyone wears red? And I had all these red balloons someone given me and we brought red food. We had like different ages and dogs and visitors and um, genders. And yeah, a lot of people came out and, you know, COVID's all weird, made everyone weird. So I think there was 15 people, but it felt like, you know, 100. (laughs) Yeah. Just and, being uh, used to being around people again. Like celebrated that moment. And I think like Roe versus Wade had happened. I don't know if you're aware of all that. Yeah. In, uh, United Kingdom. But um, I just thought, you know, like, what about our bodies? What about the medical system? What about like our autonomy, our, our rituals, our celebration, our joy? And as a queer who doesn't have children um, due to the causes and conditions of my life, like, 
I thought, why not just reclaim this moment, you know, mm. and with the support of my partner and my community, like we were able to have this pretty big for me celebration. Cause I haven't, I've been quite safe during COVID, but we were outside on a peninsula under some big willow trees by the water. And um, yeah, it just felt good to claim, to claim my body and to claim this time and celebrate it. Cause I feel like the system hides it it's not talked about and like in the heterosexual community i think it is talked about a bit you know because there's value and worth and childbearing in that community but like in the queer community it's almost non-existent and the only place it's talked about actually that i've seen is in the uk in london i've noticed that there's some action there um and i'm just so pleased that the people you mean you mean menopause generally is fear, kind of fear menopause is right, particularly right. there's some people yeah. working in that field and you can find that like hashtag on instagram i can't think of their names right now i feel bad yeah but... i think T- tanya glide is one of the yeah. kind of yeah. key people have you interviewed that person uh not yet no. i think i did ask but they were busy the <laughs> they were busy so they seem very fine. busy <laughs> but yeah, I'm so happy that it's being talked about. And there's a person in uh, London named Raf, and someone had told me about their zine they did on them um, for queer menopause. And I thought that also sparked something in me that I was like, oh, this being is visible and yeah, and talk about. And that was, I think that person showed me the zine. Um, a person named Jack showed me the zine they made about RAF like maybe six years ago when I started to think about it I was like huh queers and menopause why don't we talk about it you know yeah and in heterosexual communities like it's not really talked about either much is it it's changing and and I think you're right that actually the UK seems to be right out ahead of of kind of those conversations happening much more and I think certainly you know, kind of celebrities, public figures in the UK seem much more willing to kind of put themselves out there in the media and talk about it. Whereas in the US, I think there are, there are only, you know, far, far fewer. And I, and I don't know if part of that is the sort of, again, you know, linked to the sort of the ageism and the fear of, mm-hmm. oh gosh, if I come out as sort of being perimenopausal, I'm kind of going to be chopped liver oh, yeah. or whatever, and no one's going <laughs> to want to work with me I'm gonna get I think it was just was it a Canadian or America uh, in the US the newsreader who was just very uh, was in the news because they were fired because of their gray hair or something oh no very very recently yeah there Um, is a very strong ageism maybe it's linked to Hollywood I'm not sure why it's so strong but um but I think also like you know I lived in Glasgow for four years in London for a year and the NHS is just like you know I'm sure it has its problems, but it is funding that kind of stuff. And that's that's really important to have some funding behind, you know, these ideas and support for people. Because I, I had it easy, but it's not always easy. And there's like no like sick days for menopause here. I don't know how it is there. but uh, Well, again, I think, you know, quite a few companies are now developing menopause policies and and uh there's going to there's a i think this is the first year there's gonna be some menopause uh friendly employer awards coming in the next month or two 
Um, so it'd be interesting if to see if that kind of thing, you know, once it's kind of publicly out there in the UK, whether that spreads to to other kind of countries like the US and and to Canada. So I'm sure, you know, once once those kind of things start to to be normalised in one country, certainly, you know, in a sort of in a Western country, that they start to be sort of picked up a bit more. Spread. I mean, I think it's very feminist to like to do this. There's something very inherently feminist to celebrate this time in a woman's lives or trans non-binary lives because it's like, especially for females, it's like, you know, like you're seen as less valuable as you age or people don't take you seriously or you're not sexually attractive or, you know, all these these things. But like, it really takes away the, the, the power of an older female um, person or assigned female at birth person who like has gathered so much wisdom you know and then to be not respected at this time of life or after is just you know shows how our society is really like how we treat the older people in our society so yeah I would love to see a change around this that like older people uh, who stop having their periods are are valued and and onwards from this point because it's almost like a gathering of wisdom of your whole life comes around this time like this is what the astrologer said to me you know it's like you realize you learned a lot you know and that you're going forward with all this wisdom to do the thing you want to do and and i think that society doesn't value this but like internally like i think there could be revolutions inside us you know and um and collectively too, like just me and you talking, the people listening right now, like we can all have our inner unique revolutions, like somatically in the body being like, it's okay. You know, I'm going through these changes. I have this wisdom and I'm not alone in it. Mm. And I think there's a bit of a chain reaction as well, because for many of us, our, our own mothers didn't talk about this and Mm. so it's kind of that almost that atomic kind of effect of the more people have these conversations and the more normalized it becomes then you kind of that rage keeps kind of radiating outwards and not just to the kind of cohort or kind of gen x folk going through it now but the sort of you know the next generation coming up and the one after that and hopefully you know in the same way that um you know a lot of the conversations around gender you know, are so far advanced in the sort of millennials and the kind of the generation coming up, then you can imagine in sort of one, two generations time that as menopause gets talked about so much more and the sort of midlife transition, it's not, you know, all just about menopause, but, you know, redefining those ideas around aging and, you know, the fact that probably my experience of being 50 next year is going to be very different than my grandmother's experience of being 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, what my, you know, if I have a granddaughter, what her experience of being 50 is going to be. So yeah, it, it's really interesting. What, um, what sort of reactions did you, you get from people when you talked about having the, the menopause party? I think people, it seemed to be like a bit of surprise or shock maybe that I was so public about it. But, mm. you know, I'm a performance artist, so it's not that weird for me. But um, 
But I think there was like a huge, like, because I was feeling excited and joyful, like, I think it was contagious. And like, like, I don't, I, you know, I don't have so many followers on Instagram, but the, I had so many likes on that post and like so many comments. And, and so it, there's something about it that's needed. Like, it's just needed. And I think what you're talking about, like how like gender has changed so much, like, you know, like, like teens now, like there's so many they's like just like tons and tons of teens are they's now like mm-hmm. straight people queer people I don't know I don't know what however they define but there's tons of they's and uh that wasn't the case you know for gen xers like they was kind of like came about when we were already older and I think like if if our gen x generation has um these parties and the younger people can see us celebrating then they'll probably do it even better than we do it you know like because the new generation is just so open-minded and ideas are just going so fast. Like I just recently joined TikTok and I'm like, wow, the ideas are like, you got 15 seconds. There goes another hour of my life (laughs) looking at videos. (laughs) You know, just like, I think like, it'll just, yeah, I think you're right. I think it'll be like a waterfall effect. Like, you know, if there's a sprinkling of menopause parties, there'll be a lot more menopause parties and it'll just, it'll just, like, I think, we're tired of being shame, feeling shame. Yeah. You know, we want to lift that shame. I want, I want it to catch on. I want yeah, this to be, you know, menopause it. party planners in the same yeah. way that there yeah, are wedding planners. I've, and I've actually th- thought about it because like in the arts, you know, there is funding in the arts. And um, I have a friend who wants to help me write a grant. And I thought, why not just like yes, make a grant be amazing. or be like, come to me, I'll be your menopause party planner and like get the Canada Council to fund uh, menopause parties because it's like, that's so great for the for money to go to I that. Would, I would love to if if that happens. I I need to see it because I think, yeah, I think I think more more menopause parties. So I, I'm inspired and I will I will try and uh, start that and, trend and when the time 50th, comes. Fiftieth birthdays, like, like you were talking about your fiftieth birthday. Like instead of like hiding away and being like, oh, I'm fifty or whatever. Like my my partner has helped to support me in like celebrating that too because they're so anti-ageist they've kind of brainwashed me which is helpful because I was I think I was quite internally ageist before I met them yeah so like for my 50th birthday like I have like you know a huge meal planned with friends with performances I have a spa um planned I have like all these different things planned like I think I have three or four days of planning so I'll have like different birthday celebrations Brilliant birthday week. I quite yeah. sadly for me, my birthday yeah. is Christmas Eve, which is a terrible time to celebrate. So I'm kind. Of, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe I could do it. You know, or you in could June, fifty and a half. But yeah, I like I like the idea of you know like a whole series of of celebrations and yeah. So every, different people can come who can't make it or they don't like to be social in a certain way and just like yeah. really taking that space up because I think you know when we take take that space up in our age it does it does create that space for the next generation or even people our age to be you know more proud of of being older because there is a peace in being older that like you you don't really hear about like things settle you know and you start to do the things you want to do for me it's been like that you know I was kind of confused in my 20s and 30s but, you know, in my 40s, I was like, oh, this is what I want to be doing. So I'm imagining 50 will be even better because <laughs> you kind of you're like, this is what I like to do. 
this is what I want to do for the last 30, 40 years. Figured it out. I think, uh, yeah, there's definitely, definitely a time of life, isn't it? Where people, a lot of people, not everyone reassess, rethink, retrain, go mm-hmm. off kind of mm-hmm. on a career tangent or people like uh, Joe, who I interviewed the other day, you know, taking up paddle boarding and, Yay. you know, now, you know, paddle boarded from one side of the UK to the other and wrote a book. Oh. And so, yeah, I just love this idea of the second, the second half being an incredibly sort of creatively fertile time where people kind of start discovering these parts of themselves that have been dormant or kind of just sort of squashed down by the and I I think that COVID made everyone kind of weird like for the good and bad but like (laughs) and in between but like like for me COVID I was like well what do I want to do like my gym closed down I was like it went bankrupt and I was like oh maybe I'll start hiking and I was like oh I really like this you know and then I'm like I with somatics I found out somehow that I like cold water swimming so Mm -hmm. I started cold water swimming and hiking. I was like, I, before COVID, I never would have thought to do these things. But I think COVID like got us to like, to be like, what do we want to do? Like, who are we? Like, what are we doing in our house? Like, what do we want to be doing? You know? And I think it was a really interesting pivoting moment. I mean, it was also really hard because we lost a lot of people and there was a lot of sorrow, but there was also a time to pivot. Luckily, the Canadian government, they paid us which was amazing to exist. Mm -hmm. And I'm very grateful, very grateful to our government for paying us to exist during COVID. And that also changed my life. Universal basic income changes lives. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's another thing that we kind of hope hope is coming in future. We'll change a lot of... uh a lot of people's lives hopefully if we ever get there tell us a bit more about uh, your sort of process of retraining and how do you kind of how are you balancing the somatic work with uh, your kind of uh, creative performance artwork do you feel like they cross over a lot it is it is an interesting question I've been thinking about it a lot with my tiktok lately because I've done a lot of eco-somatic experiments in my performance art I did a whole series on instagram for a show um, with me and nature. And uh, now I'm on TikTok and uh, and I'm kind of combining that, my eco performances with my somatics. And I do think like my performances are becoming more embodied, less performative, but more embodied. And, um, and I do love working with the earth. And, you know, I have a friend there who started that organization, you have uh, Extinction Rebellion. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it would be very interesting to have on your show, I think, as well. But um, but um, we are so disconnected from the earth, and I think performatively I was going that way, but now I'm doing it in a more um embodied way. I'm actually just realizing this as I'm talking to you. But like, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean when you say in a more embodied way? What what does that mean? Like instead of like, you know, I was doing a lot of work with me and trees and bushes and like performative work like that, but now I'm like doing the same work with like rocks and roots and things like that with my body but I'm actually much more present due to like Mm -hmm. the thousands of hours of meditation and the somatics um work so yeah I am really interested in eco art and and that idea to of listening to the earth like me as a white settler here in Canada my my father's British and my mom's American and just that white privilege I have of living on this like stolen land. And, mm-hmm. but also like 
being with the land, like and honoring and respecting the land, um, which indigenous, you know, faiths, religions, spirituality have done for all of time, you know, and this, the, the, you know, I'm Irish Catholic and it's, uh, you know, it's been very separate from the land, very like colonial. And so like, like my, my anti-racist politics, which like I was working on a lot during COVID because I had the time and it mm -hmm. was the time of history. So I'm still working on that stuff, but um, I think it's all connected. Like, you know, like well, we're definitely very disconnected from from yeah. the earth in in, yeah. in a way that actually makes it very easy for us to kind of ignore the kind yeah. of the climate and, emergency stuff, right? And to our bodies, like like we're mm. disconnected from our bodies in terms of menopause or you know the cycles of the moon or whatever. We're so disconnected with like we got to go to work got to go to work or whatever you know the things we got to do yeah and then, or, like, i'm exhausted but i but i'm just yeah, gonna keep going on, anyway we're because pavement. we're on pavement all the time wherever we go tarmac and like pavement and sidewalk so it's like really interesting to put all those things together like performance earth body and just be like oh yeah i am actually made out of earth and when i die my ashes will become earth and it's just this giant cycle and i'm just this being for now i mean these are deep thoughts <laughs> i mean de definitely in so in the uh, when we had a, the lockdown here we as a family of four started going out to our local forest because mm -hmm. you know, that was one place that we could safely go yeah. um and it's not very far away and in you know 10 years we never once visited yeah. this forest and now it's just our you know favorite place to go as a family and I love you know that. as you kind of talk about all the kind of the things that that the pandemic forced us yeah kind of yeah. through happenstance to do it's like well gosh if that had never happened we'd never have found yes. that as a kind of a connection to to nature and and done that and other you know things have kind of come out of that connection so and it's so resourcing because the pandemic was such a shock for most of us. And like that, those forests and those trees were just so resourcing. And also speaking of age, so much older than us, like yesterday, the day before I was hanging out with a 500 year old tree and I was just like, this is a very old tree. <laughs> yeah, like, we, were to, we were actually at the forest not that long ago. And my husband, who's studying forestry now, um, was talking about, you know, the, the, um, the elm trees and, you know, because again, they reach similar kind of ages and just sort of talking to our eight-year-old about that and it you know, just kind of blew her mind that you know a tree could be 500 years old so much older yeah yeah I, I love I love this idea of the tree because also bodies are so many different sh shapes you know and and the trees are so many different shapes and I just find like, and you know, we, when we look at all these different shaped trees, we go, oh, that's, that body's not good. Or that yeah. tree's not good, you know, <laughs> like, like it's just like a beautiful tree growing in its own way. So I feel like there's just also so much teachings in the forest. If we let the forest teach us, um, it's just like full of knowledge. And it's like an ancient old knowledge that like our, our ancestors were a part of as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. There was a tree at my party. There were definitely some trees at my parties and we gathered around the tree. So I didn't really think about that. But the tree was the trees were at my party. No, I just I was just kind of thinking and musing about what you were saying about, you know, different 
body shapes because I think again that's definitely something a lot of us struggle with is kind of accepting the fact that our bodies are potentially changing a lot around this time and against our will (laughs) just our kind of physical shape not kind of behaving or um yeah these kind of like you say the sort of the hot flashes or whatever just something that is just uncontrollable potentially that's a little scary your body kind of feels like it's betraying you and kind of but in 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 also it's just also natural like how our bodies all deal with it differently and just like and just I don't know like I think if there was more awareness we would feel less weird about it because people would talk about it when it started happening to me I was like oh no one I don't hear any it's like it's like it's like can you hear anything? Deathly silence. Like, <laughs> nothing, nothing. So when you contacted me and when I found that wonderful Facebook group we're in, it's mm-hmm. like all gender menopause group or something like that. Like I was yeah. like, I'm so glad this exists. You know, and I, I could write there as a non-binary person and people wrote back to me immediately. And I was like, wow, what a useful group. What a useful yeah. thing. And there Everyone honestly, knew about these things. <laughs> there's some really good books out there, which my partner bought me for Christmas. I can't remember the names of them all, but I remember one of them being like, masturbate every day. I was like, oh, you know, I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't seem to be able to do that, but I try, I try. And uh, also they were like, drink nettle tea. Oh, really? That was, that was what I got out of it. Those were okay. facts. But I was like, I try to drink nettle tea and I was living in Germany at the time. And um, there's, they love nettle tea in Germany. So it was really easy to drink nettle tea. Apparently nettle is like one of the best things you can you can imbibe or eat for menopause. But it's is it popular in the UK, nettle? No. No. I would say not. No. I do I do vividly remember making nettle soup at primary school, but um <laughs> it was my one and only <laughs> time of in ingesting nettles. Love nettle tea. And there's <laughs> something about nettles, it's just full of the things you start to lack in menopause. Uh-huh. I since I've lived in Germany, I've been drinking tons of nettle tea. I don't think I've ever ever seen it here, but I imagine if I start looking oh, sure it's immediately, it'll stores. be. Uh... But you know, the Germans are interesting because it's like when you go to the pharmacy there, it's full of herbs. Like somehow they got they didn't eliminate herbs from mm. their medications, and it's interesting to think about how plants back to the earth, like like the earth gives us these plants, you know, to help us through these times, but don't really talk about them. You know, don't really know much about them in Canada we don't drink nettle tea but I love as well that you're um you know that you're talking about the fact that actually your your experience of you know perimenopause was actually you know not overwhelming not terrible because I think there's again you know there there will be a a reasonable proportion of people are going through this who will be like you and I think it is again really important as we are talking about it discussing it openly that again it's helpful to people to to hear mm-hmm. those stories of people who have not necessarily sailed through it but have kind of not had the sort of the overwhelming sort of experience oh, because I think so many of the stories that we do hear and it's important that we hear those too are it, yeah. it's really difficult if I don't have hormone therapy or whatever I don't know how I'm going to function or we need that full spectrum of, of understanding so that we can then kind of slot ourselves in and, and either go oh that's okay then you know I don't it's not like I haven't done menopause properly because I didn't get hot flashes or 
You know, I mean, or or if someone is on that kind of other end of the spectrum where they potentially have really debilitating symptoms, but that we, you know, that they then get to understand that those could be, you know, there's sort of much more on the sort of the anxiety, crippling anxiety type of thing, but not the the kind of cliche hot flashes that the more that we all talk about and normalize that, the more people will see their own experience reflected back at them. Yeah, I, I long to have a long sleep. You know, when I, as I was going to perimenopause, all of a sudden I was just waking up really early. Mm. And, you know, I was like, just up at the crack of dawn most days. And and I've just kind of accepted that that's my new life and I need less sleep. It's I can get more stuff done, I guess. But, I was going to say, that's but, a, but something I, I, very I'm creative in the morning and like, oh, yeah. no one else is awake. Yeah. <laughs> all these ideas and thoughts. But, like thinking about my performance are back to that idea, like, like I realized that a lot of my performance art was um, often circles of people doing an activity together, like a collective something or like mm-hmm. a group of people. Like I do choirs uh, of emotions and choirs of screaming and different types of choirs. Um, and uh, a lot, I realized before I got into somatics that a lot of my performances were actually somatic releases of different forms. And so when I got into somatics, now I can see how somatics inform my performances, but I didn't have the mm. words to describe it. We were just doing it together collectively. There were like somatic collective rituals and they were very, very powerful. And, you know, since COVID, you know, people haven't really gathered much. So I haven't done many performances because I do a lot of group, group work. So now I'm just basically working with nature. But I am doing my first choir of emotions um, in October. So I'm not sure. Fantastic. Maybe we'll be wearing masks. I'm not sure how it will go. (laughs) But I think that's definitely, you know, something that many of us have missed is that kind of that connection and that community. And Mm. yeah, being able to kind of go out and re-find that again is is very nourishing. Coral, I think we're going to have to wind up, but I, I feel like we could just talk and talk for at least another hour but I do uh, try try and keep the episodes for around about half an hour because we're all overwhelmed with with stuff to to read or listen to or watch when we should be out there in the forest being at one with nature but that's <laughs> well, the good thing about podcasts people you can yeah, take them with you, you in your ears right now <laughs> yes I hope you're listening to this in a forest somewhere but Thank when you, you finish are. listening to this take your headphones out and listen to the trees <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Coral, for for giving up your time. It's been such a joy. Great. It was lovely to be here. You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.